Welcome guys to the uh, Base Training Thoughtcast. Uh, today we have a guest. Um, it is a role model to many coaches in the fitness industry. Um, and uh, uh, he probably would call himself this, but a bit of a, an expert and a bit of a ninja when it comes to all things, things fitness. That's how I'll kind of describe it. So, um, Mr. James Fitzgerald, uh, welcome. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come out and speak to us. So, when, when you give us kind of a 30 second elevator pitch on who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, um, I love fitness. Um, I've been in fitness for a long period of time, uh, both as an athlete and a participant, as well as someone who's coached coaches. And now, you know, to the point where I'm coaching coaches of coaches um, within fitness. Um, and uh, I am still in it. I dig into it personally. I dig into it with coaches. And now I'm at the point where we have an education company that helps coaches go out there and teach us masses. And uh, we continue to try to level people's ideas up on what fitness is. Excellent, excellent stuff. And that's all going well, which is and it's a lot of the education that I've done and I follow a lot of your stuff. So I appreciate you keep keeping up the fight. Um, so yeah, what we wanted to talk about today is um, health clients, not necessarily performance clients, that are both begin or beginners, intermediates, and kind of advanced level health clients, and the things they should avoid, the things that they, uh, where they should start, um, and what they should kind of be considering, and uh, things that they aren't considering, uh, that you commonly see out there in the world, um, and have done with experience with coaches, and the coaches of coaches that you coach. Um, bit of alliteration there. Um, yeah, so why don't we start with beginners? So. What is your kind of thought, or what are your thoughts on beginners to um, health and exercise and fitness in the current fitness market at the moment? Yeah, because you finished with in the current fitness market, mm. um, I'll give you some guys uh, or give you some guidelines on time frames because time frames change up the question. So if this yeah. question was asked, you know, eighty years ago, <clears throat> um, we. Well, it wouldn't be asked 80 years ago. So that answers the question or gives to a general. It's like, what, why are you doing exercise? You know, you'd be laughed at. It's yeah. like, you know, don't you just like, you know, let, you know, aren't you behind the horse and picking up shit and like out there kneeling down and getting food or chasing yeah. down animals? You know what I mean? I don't know if people did that 80 years ago, but that's my point is that in the current fitness market for, for newbies and people are just starting out, the entire consciousness of what fitness is, no one has an idea about it. No one has no one has asked any of the questions. It's been it's been generationally slapped together up to the point where you almost have to like it's like uh, licking a you know those big lollipops where you got like eighteen different colors. <laughs> I'm sorry, the analogy is not going to sound correct at all, but you got to lick that <laughs> you got to lick that client down like eight colors. Yeah. To get to that's a bad analogy, but you got to get down, you got to get down to some really deep levels before they recognize why they're doing fitness. Mm. So, what do you how do you deal with new people in fitness today in the current fitness market? You're most likely going to be spending months and months changing consciousness and awareness around what fitness means to them. And would you would you say that that is the the part where a, a new client should start, and that's what what clients aren't doing, and that's well, what that's what they that's where they should start, yeah. Lee. But 
you know, what is the fitness market? The fitness market is rape and pillage, right? It's like magazines, Instagram, medicine, science, your local media, they're all telling you, you know, you're going to be fat, you're going to be diseased, you're going to get cancer. That can't be the right reason to do fitness. That's effed up, right? It's all backwards. So if, you know, based upon their perception, yeah, you, you should try to create awareness of that. But dude, unless they fall into your lap, it's not going to happen. Society is not pushing it, right? Your government's not pushing it like mine, right? They're not like, oh, let's, let's squeak out another 90 minutes in a day for kids to move and play, right? You know, parents would go shape shit, right? If that was the, if that was the case. And our entire answer to that is we need, they need to be smarter at like math and physics so that they can become a you know, someone in a university setting to get on an assembly line, you know, you know, as a soapbox, but you see what I'm saying? Like the perspective of fitness is, is messed up. Yeah. So it's interesting. You mentioned about like the government, the government's kind of pushed to, um, the, the, they're pushed to bring new guidelines to get people to, to kids to get into exercise. It's, it's interesting as the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK now, aren't pushing to get people to ex- or children to exercise for 90 minutes their new big push is to get them outside and that's yeah. it so but no got- action yeah dude that's been going on in canada for 30 years wow. every five years is like new guidelines you yeah. know and the same topic kids are obese yeah. everyone's eating processed food you know the, and, and then the question is what are you guys doing about this to show that that action plan is actually making any effect whatsoever. Guess what the answer is? Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> Crickets. Yeah. So it's just this massive bullshit play on making it seem like they care about people. Mm. That That's bullshit. There could be three out of a hundred people in that office that truly actually care, but they're pulling their hair out because they're cutting, trying to cut red tape from what the top down is telling them they need to say because they're bought by Coke or they're bought by fast foods or whatever, whatever, whatever. So we know there's a big like, there's a big societal and governmental problem in this on the institutions that are overarching. Um, our, especially in the beginner area, especially mm, in the beginner fitness area. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the model has been guided towards, well, it, especially now with the rise of social media is social media experts and their quick fix, money making and money generating uh, programs that mm-hmm. do not have any long-term sustainability built into it because there's no um, relationship there there's no one-to-one contact whether that's through a re- remote setting or an in-person setting there's none of that there so what are your kind yeah, of and, thoughts on that yeah and there's well there's no question on the why mm. it's like they, they they wrangle all these people in with great crms and like attention grabbing pieces but nowhere inside there is the big things that you mentioned, which is the killer of fitness in my eyes, right? I'm biased, but you're killing coaches because you're not developing relationships, right? And what's inside of a relationship? It's a human aspect of a relationship. You cannot get that on Instagram or social media or being marketed to for a 30 second pitch. You don't, and you can, t- you can try to wrap everything around that to make it look like it. Ironically, even guess what they're marketing today? We're personalized, right? That's such bullshit, right? So they even know, ironically, that this is what humans want, right? But, and they're trying to put it into marketing, but guess what their program is? It's the most impersonal. 
Yeah. Right? Templated, fast track. I don't care about you long term. So no one's asking the questions. Yeah. Right? It's like, you know, and I know this sounds crazy, but for your listeners, if anyone listens, it's like, when's the last time you asked someone what they're going to be doing in 20 years? Mm. Right? They're like, 20 years? Fuck 20 years. Like, we're, we're just focused on getting lean now. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Right there, that commentary, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the mindset, isn't it? And when, like you, you, it is. you pointed towards when was the last time you asked someone, as in, imagine you meant like a friend or family or coworker, when was the last time you asked a coach or a fitness professional that? Um, it's exactly. It's a question that people are, the, the questions are, what are the prices? What classes do you have? Um, especially when they're moving towards a gym and a physical location. And it's not yeah. how, how can you help me in 20 years and set me up for success? Um, no, and I think that's I think there's partly through a lack of education, and it's a, it's a it's a nerve thing maybe that they don't know what to ask. Yeah, that's a deeper one on the mm. business area. <laughs> yeah, especially for a beginner. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I, I think it's I think it's important is that is that beginners do need to ask these questions, and it's it's not it's not about the the what what we have. It's about why actually do you want to why do you want that. Um, yes. And to yeah. Are you asking on behalf? Are you saying? And just to be clear here, you're saying that the questions should also be asked from the client to the coach on like, what's your future within this? Yeah, one hundred percent. Oh, no doubt. No doubt that that question has to be asked. But as I said, it's like it's a deep, a deep rabbit hole because where would you go to find the truth on who determines what a good coach is? Exactly. exactly. Who's the qualifier for that? Yeah, and, and that right. That's that kind of brings us kind of in, in back in a circle, I suppose. Is that it does come down to that? What is a what is a good coach? What is what is fitness? What mm-hmm. is health? And there is no real working definition out there because there's no. And then, so convoluted. And you go, what you're gonna if you want to go here, what you end up doing, it gets into a morality question. Yeah. it's what it, where it ends up. And no, it does. It comes down to like, well, what is reasoning? Mm. What is objectivity? What is dualism? Like. That's where you end up going, as fucked up as it sounds. Yeah. That's where you go because, you know, because you and I would be like, well, if there's, if this is a free market and uh, people are going to decide what they want to do in fitness, mm. um, then that means it's, we have to put up with the fact this is chaos yeah. and you just got to figure your way out, right? That's the yeah. way it is, right? But if you and I don't agree with that, what is our solutions to it? Mm. I can tell you what I'm doing. I'm trying to create at least some governance or standards or regulatory ideas on the definition in language of what it means to be a professional fitness coach. Yeah. Because I can't go to the market to change that. I have to change that inside out. That's that's what I'm doing for action. But I would ask anyone who asks that question, especially the point, you know, should a client ask a coach what their career is, before you even get to that, you gotta have some kind of idea on what a standard is for a good career. Yeah. And right now, there's there's nothing on that. There's no book on that. No, but I propose to write a book on it, not not actually write a textbook, but you and I, we're discussing it right now. So mm-hmm. eventually it'll come to fruition yeah. where people will recognize, they're like, that's not professional fitness coaching, no. right? And that's what I want. I want the professional fitness coach to get back up in the, in the society where they're like the pillar that everyone goes to to recognize what how to take care of things. Exactly, exactly. So, where would you? What are the kind of um, like the main points that you think a, a beginner to exercise never 
or they, they've done a few bits and they're like, oh, I'm just not improving. What do I do next? Like, what's, yeah, where, measurement. where do I find this um, perfect? Like, not, the yeah, scientific method this? is what they need. Yeah. They need a scientific method. And that's the global thing they need. Mm. And the, the secondary thing they need, they need a coach to give them guidance on that scientific method. Yeah. What I mean by that is that you've got to move and you've got to get feedback from what you're doing for movement, mm. right? You gotta, you gotta play with things, you gotta figure some stuff out, and then you gotta retest, right? It's like, where am I right now, right? The hypothesis, where am I right now? And well, the hypothesis basically, you're thinking about the training program, but where am I right now? That's the assessment. What, what am I gonna do inside of here? Now let's recheck it. So I can see if I'm wasting my time or doing something that's leading to that linear, you know, improvement of max potential, right? So that's what those people need. They need tracking devices, which preferably should be a human. Um, they need to get, you know, ask some questions. And it's actually more, it's, it's, it's higher utility to actually hire a coach. Right, the time that people spend on yo-yoing or going up and down or searching blogs or changing programs, all of that for time value should have been spent on one coach who can give them a personalized design and help them move forward. Yeah. Right? Because they're going to ask all the questions like, "Why are you doing this?" And then they're going to say it again. Well, why are you doing that? They're going to say it again. Well, why are you doing that? And as painful as that is, yeah. that is cost-effective. Yeah. Right. It is because. You're not going to waste your time for five years. Yeah. So there you go. I just gave you some marketing strategies. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's that education. Time for five years. <laughs> I can give you your answers right now. <laughs> yeah, it's that education towards autonomy as well. Like that asking, yes. asking why they're doing sort of things is. Well, important. on the on the aspect of autonomy, I have some ideas on that that I wish to share. It's it, autonomy can only come when you first have correct intentions. Yeah. And there has to be skills and progressions. Right? Autonomy is not just like, oh, you'll experience this for six weeks and then you're on your own, right? That's like 0.5% of the population that can do that, Yeah. right? The rest of folks are going to need to have some form of direction and plan, right? That means that you're giving some direction, which is not autonomy. Mm -hmm. True definition of autonomy is they're able to like sustain and do their own shit for a long period of time. Yeah. That's our overall long-term goal for humans, right? But in order to get there, they need a lot of skills and progressions in behaviors, nutrition, movements, etc., to get them to that point. Yeah. So, say someone has, they're now considering this idea that actually a coach or a personal trainer is something they're looking for. Would you say that's one of the most important factors that they should be considering? Is where does this coach want me to be in five years? Like, do they want me to continue to do three one-hour personal training sessions a week? Like, it's. It's definitely you as a client, if you're, if you're listening as a client, you want to ask that question continually with your coach, like say, what's the long-term strategy for me, right? And hopefully that coach can then reflect back to you what I said earlier, which is, well, what's your long-term goals? Mm. Right? What's your, why are you doing any of this? And uh, how about you and I, <clears throat> meaning I'm talking to that client now, yeah. how about you and I have a sit down conversation on what is exercise? Why are we doing it? Because then you can tie everything together and then they'll know that their coach actually cares about where they're gonna be in five years. Mm. And if that's arguably, I'm just gonna get on a soapbox to that yeah, too. Please if, do. That's a if that's a personal training appointment in five years, yeah. that's an effed up system. <laughs> that's an effed up system, right? That, because that, anyways, that's an effed up system. <laughs> that's a dependent relationship. That's a 
It's addiction and dependency, which is the wrong, and this is again where it goes moral, that's the wrong intention of fitness. Mm. Right? Fitness can't be, oh, geez, uh, let me call my trainer up, right? No, that's the wrong intention for fitness, right? Oh, he'll get me ready for something, you know? It's like, that's your issue, right? So you need to learn how to be able to do that and move and like chew food and do your own stressful management for yourself, not relying on someone. Yeah, at the end of the day, fitness and health is a personal responsibility, but we've lost that. We've lost that ability through a lack of. You know, it comes down to a lot. We of have. We have. You know, but personal training. I should note because I was one of the initial like groups of personal trainers back in the mid '90s, right? When it was just like bubbling up, like something you yeah. can do, right? And we were killing it, right? But the intention within it, no one asked the question, what are we doing in 10 years? Yeah. Right? None of us asked it. We we're all like just cash and billing. It's just fucking like, I'm trying this new shit and we're doing yeah. this routine and we're setting up this stuff and people are transforming, right? Cause they weren't doing it, yeah. right? They are doing nothing. So we gave them something and they got better. We're like, yeah, we're the fucking man, right? Yeah. And then bill more per hour, make more money. But then after time on the weekends, I'm like, there's no scalability to this, Yeah. you know? And I started seeing clients do that where they're like, you know what, I'm not showing up, you can bill me. Yeah. That, that just kind of just killed me. It was like, oh man, now I'm being owned by the system yeah. and I'm not being fulfilled on what I like doing and learning and training. Mm -hmm. So the shit that was great that I learned inside of that, which was very positive, right? Yeah. Like, you know, lots of time in the trenches, you learn a lot of skills, you learn a lot of behaviors. The downside is that it created dependency. And you know that in the end, there's no long game for the client or the coach. Then, yeah, for sure. Which is how we bubble up to what we do as a company today. We want to build facilities and coaches that become autonomous, not only in their profession but clients become autonomous, and everyone wins. Exactly, exactly. It's it's, uh, it's it, you would see it as from a I suppose from a coaches and business perspective, it's like oh wow, that's actually a scary thing. I want to get rid of a client. But no, yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. And that is <laughs> but if you actually look at mathematical models of fitness and general yeah. wellness, mm -hmm. dude, there's six million available people out there. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So if you can't get a couple of six million, uh, you know, good yeah. luck. You know, yeah. need, you need to do something else. Exactly. So we're as, from a client's perspective, we're we're now in this um, position where we've been doing it for a little while. We've got a coach. There, we're kind of moving towards this intermediate type level um, where we've got some competency, we move relatively well, um, and we may now be considering that the body can take a bit more intensity, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, what sort of things should they be considering, whether that's lifestyle, health, nutrition? Where, where should they be at that point? Yeah, at this point in time, they're starting to get uber individualized. Mm. Now you're starting to see people go into buckets, right, of different styles. Some people will start to move towards like just movement efficiency and uh, just overall consistency and repetition. Yeah. Some people will move towards like wanting to get somewhat more specific in strength. Some people may go a little bit more specific in capacity. And there's a bunch of other buckets, but you start individualizing people more so at intermediate stage, mm -hmm. right? Um, they're also now getting excited, not about absolute measures, like, you know, uh, uh, their deadlift 1RM. They're more concerned around now how all that base beginner training can help them catapult to new things. Yeah. 
So maybe they want to run a race. Maybe they want to learn snatch technique for the next five years. Maybe they want to do some gymnastics training that's a little bit more complex. Maybe they want to do a, a 2K row time trial at a local competition. You know what I'm saying? Like there's these like catapulting opportunities now because of all that base support of stuff that they did. Yeah. So that's the exciting thing for the intermediate. They're now using all that base structure as this, this new evolution to this new style of fitness. And they're getting a little bit more individualized, like, like a lot more specific with it. Yeah. I appreciate the use of the word base there. That's, that's perfect. That was indirect, but hey, you know. Yeah, it is a, um, it's a happy, uh, an unfortunate um, happiness there. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it is that, it is often, one of the things we often see is, is that lack of base, and it's, it's partly why we, we called our business base training, is that that base allows you to be fitter 10 years down the line. I and mean, it does, as yeah. you said, catapult you forwards at a much yeah. faster rate, but at the start yeah. it is slower. Um, yeah, and I call it scaffolding, right? Like you okay. scaffold different things, but the base is required. And you can use the old analogy of the house building, but don't use the house analogy anymore, it's weak. The good thing that you will have to work with for fitness long-term is ironically, we benefited from this mass hysteria, high intensity model for 10 years, mm. right? So just imagine in 2002, that that whole high intensity fitness thing didn't happen. And I know how hard it is for your brain to think yeah. about it, right? There would be more arguments as to your utility of your base theory. Mm. Because everyone went really fucking hard and all out for the past decade, yeah. we've reflected on that over time now to see that if you don't have base, you flatline after two years. Yeah. So you can see that it's ironic that we got to be grateful for the fact that everyone has been trying to do this fast model, fast track yeah. model, because it makes them recognize, holy shit, the folks that had the base support were actually capable of still doing more. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It, it comes again back full circle, and you're like, oh. If I'd just known this, well, we, we couldn't have known that. That's the thing. No, we, no, we couldn't. That's the thing. Without and that's my point. You got to stretch your brain on it. Imagine if it yeah. never even happened, right? Yeah. We'd still be like using the house analogy today. <laughs> and it is that test and retest that you talked about at the start with beginners. That we, we've, as a fitness industry, we are still quite young. It has had to, we've had to test that out. Um, it, yes. It might have been the other way around where we tested out this idea of building a base and found that that didn't work. Yeah, but but in the market, it's still there, right? Yeah. So like, you chose your words wisely that in the fitness profession, we've certainly tested a whole lot of things, right? But there's a massive amount of us, because I'm throwing everyone, even the assholes, into that fitness professional realm, plus the market that thinks that that fast track model has more utility than the base train. Exactly. So we can't go without saying that that it's you and my mind we're like oh yeah we're both agreeing with one another but it's only two of us <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a lot of other people out there that we've got to work on yeah, um, yeah so in, we, 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 yeah. It's, it's, easy, that's our it's easy as coaches to really focus and clients to focus on the movement aspect and the training inside the gym um, there's 160 odd hours in the week and most clients will spend three to five if that actually training what sort of consideration should an intermediate client be thinking about outside of the gym? 
what are the things that the intermediate client should be thinking about outside the gym? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we call it in our language, basic lifestyle guidelines. So it has a uh, connection to more so to the physical area of biology and definitely more energy based for things like circadian rhythm and paying attention to it, paying attention to work stress, you know, work life stress balance, paying attention to um, rhythm, you know, blood sugar management throughout the day, mental acuity, energy, um, and paying attention to sleep, paying attention to digestion, paying attention to food hygiene practices, moving blood every day. Even if you're not in the gym, you still need to be moving blood, right? That can happen just to, just to make people think a little harder. Like you can jump up and down on a rebounder and move blood, mm. right? You can do dry skin brushing and move blood. You can get a massage and move blood. You know what I'm saying? Just break your, your thinking on how do you move blood. You don't have to go for a 5K run to move blood. You can move blood in multiple ways, but you have to move blood. We recommend getting out in nature and walking. Mm. Um, ironically, I'm not sure where you sit in your land, uh, but I'm, 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 I went down a rabbit hole of uh, the political stuff in your uh, neck of the woods, maybe, of those open lands for... Uh, for uh, was it called ram not rambling but uh oh, yeah. um yeah, yeah anyways walking, you, yeah yeah so you know get out in nature and walk that's yeah. the that's what those folks should be focusing on um as the recovery mechanism between those intense sessions three hours a week but as well laying the groundwork to allow them to express those three sessions really effectively excellent stuff yeah brilliant, brilliant. I, could, could really, I don't think there's new too much need to carry on with what with the uh, immediate level client would need to consider there. So, what about then? Let's say an Af- a client is there three, five years maybe down into the line. You're you're not probably working one to one with them as closely anymore. They've got some a handle on good movement. They're snatching. They're um, yep. doing some more advanced level gymnastics. What sort of things yep. again? Lifestyle, movement, and nutrition and nourishment should they be? Conf- considering at this point yeah for those people there's really just one word because i'm in there right that Mm. really really defines you know what envelops my shit now and it's uh it's a little less concrete it's more broad yeah um and that would be words like being consistent um learning about auto regulation you know like how to self-regulate based upon the work that's being done and how to continue moving forward? Yeah. Um, how to resist entropy? You know, like how to how to stop the downslide. Yeah. So even if you're on the upslide still and you're doing more advanced stuff, you want to you want to think about potential, like where you sit. You know. Um, and then lastly, a lot of refining. So there's always like, for example, you know, you can do three strict muscle ups. You know. Um, now you should be focusing on like planche and mana, you know, and lever work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that, cause that's going to take you 10 years to master, yeah. but you see, it's all about refining now that you get up to that level because you got a great base support built and you've had some great experience on individualization. Now really it's the, that's, that's why I say that's the fun shit now. All that yeah. shit's fun yeah. because it's refining and sharpening and like uh, falling in love with consistency again, like you did when you were a beginner, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And then in terms of like the lifestyle factors, as a, as an, an intermediate um, level athlete you mentioned like going outside circadian rhythms um yeah 
all those things are the same, but I'll say uh, really quickly, it's it's just the CNS. So you just gotta you just gotta watch like how you're recovering, how deep you go into something, you know, how you're able to continue activity. That's what I meant by my first point on yeah. auto regulation. So the advanced person now should be really measuring like how their nervous system is working, how it responds to stress and how they're challenging everything. Because yeah. I'm gonna assume if you've got to this point, you've got some good lifestyle and good nutritional habits, right? Yeah, um, if, you're, if you're here and I don't even know how you got here if you don't have those in place, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and let's say like, just find a, a kind of a, a devil's advocate out of it. A client gets to that level, but mm-hmm. then they still haven't got some of these um, basic things in place. Yeah. So yeah. What, what I've noticed from my own experience is that you do get some clients that come through, they've been training six, seven, eight years, they move well, but there's yeah. still these, some fundamental problems um, that yeah. they're experiencing. And they're, yeah. they're seven years into the ground and they're seven years embedded. How have you approached, as I focus on the coaching perspective, yeah. unraveling some of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I educate those people, first of all, to make them recognize that they're not at their potential and that they mm. may have gotten to this point all based upon survival mechanisms. Yeah. So it's imp- very important that you know that even if you don't know that's the case. Yeah. Do I make sense of that? Like, e- even if you're guessing, well, you know, it just doesn't, you know, because even, I won't go down the rabbit hole of genetic predisposition <laughs> and, and luckiness and LeBron James yeah. eating McDonald's and being a lead athlete, because there's there's unicorns, right? You know, yeah. like, oh, yeah, that yeah, guy. It's like, yeah, you're unicorn. not him. Yeah. So we extract those people out of the conversation. Now we're left with 99.4% of everyone else and uh, you gotta you gotta let them know that it is possible. And then at the back end of that conversation, you inspire them with the fact that if they do refine some things, they will improve. Mm. And that's a really like for me, uh, like I've done that, right? I've done, and not this is not for CrossFit, so I just use my own consistency as a measure of that. But I've focused a whole lot more for the past three years on technical lifting of weightlifting and gymnastic strictability. Uh, so connecting the core to the periphery and gymnastics bodies, Chris Somner's work, and I've refined movement, right? But what is my, what is my takeaway from that is I really did improve some things, but I'm 45 and I've been at this game for more than 25 years now, right? So there are still, you know, styles of improvements that you can make. So, so first of all, I would educate them that they may not be at their potential. They could have just like duct taped this shit to get here. Yeah. But then inspire them on the back end saying, if you refine lifestyle nutrition, you actually can raise up a little bit. There's a little bit of improvement you can make. And then they'll, they'll get it. They'll fall in love with that. Because the one thing that they're motivated by is continuing to try to improve or be consistent. So if you're like, hey, man, you know, if you don't abide by these things, you won't be able to work out anymore. They're like, no, no, can't have that. And then sometimes I use like the Nicolas Cage, you know, uh, leave in Las Vegas analogy that some people they're just going to have to end up naked on a strip in Vegas <laughs> drunk yeah you know you're just gonna have to let them fall yeah. it's like I told you Go but ahead. then be there to uh, pick them up though when they do fall that's the key point as a coach is like you tried you told them what you thought was required but some people need to go to rock bottom in order to see the light and that's okay exactly it is uh, we, we, it's how we learn isn't we learn from missing and 
failing. It is. For lack of a better term. It is. Well, for the person I was describing, I think that could be effective. Yeah, right? for sure. And it's this it's, it's key point you touched on was there that actually often with the advanced level athletes, they are going to start to wane in motivation if they aren't, if they're hitting plateaus and they are lacking some of those fundamental key skills that make a huge difference. And Along with a conversation on intention. Mm. Yeah, as right? You, like, you got you to ask the question, like, you know, if, even by saying advanced, why would you do anything else? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I've reached the mountaintop, right? And so what I like to discuss and reason why I continue to be active so I can speak about it for a lifestyle, mm. right? So I'm not just saying, oh, yeah, I did the CrossFit thing and I just always out and became a lazy coach, right? Not saying that that happens. <laughs> um, wink, wink. So I, I kept exercising because I was like, I probably want to tell the story as to what happens when you do this for a long period of time, right? Exactly. So. On that side of it, they will start to, I, I just call it more of a cognitive, social, spiritual in, improvement, mm. right? Even because you're physical, once you get to the top, it's you don't keep going up right. and you don't hold it, right? You actually go down, mm. right? That's biology. That's evolution. There's a whole lot of things wrapped inside that. You can't, you can't CRISPR that or nanotech that or whatever you think you want to do. It's not going to change it. You're going to go down. I know that as painful as it is to talk about and to even discuss because I still hate discussing it, mm. I will get weaker. Absolutely. But my cognitive function and my ability to organize thoughts and my, we'll call it spirit. I'm not a spiritual person, but we'll call it spirit because it makes sense. Mm. Your spiritual being is a really cool thing to try to improve on that other side. Yeah. So that can also inspire those people who are up there to know that just be consistent and resist the downward spiral, but there's a lot of cool shit cognitively and socially and emotionally you're going to get into that you're going to appreciate. It is. It's, it's pushing that curve out to the right, isn't it? And elongating as much as we possibly can. It is. It is. It's like, you know, farther out as possible without having this like, push, whoop, it. You know? yeah. Yeah, push the curve to the right. That's yeah. a good saying. Exactly. I think that's probably a good point to kind of end on is, is that, that inspiration piece and, uh, yeah, um, it is. It is over time. It's just like the the same things applying no matter the level. Is is you got to be consistent. You have to ask those in qu questions. You have to be inquisitive. Um, you have to have those intentions built out correctly and under and really understand them to a, as a not just a face value, a deeper level. Um, yeah. So yeah, appreciate your sort of taking your time out of your day to talk about some of those things. Of course, I benefit from discussing it all the time. It certainly helps my language and I'm always learning things as I'm discussing it too, so. Excellent stuff. Cool, well, we'll end it, end it there and uh, yeah, appreciate your time. Okay, Lee, thanks for having me. Love.